This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic and the world of art. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and, well, the arts again with our ever-evolving open discussion segment, Is It Art? Focusing today on the concept of art dynasties, what they are, what they mean, and how they may impact the global economy. So there's no theses today, no gems, just unadulterated discussion. Before we discuss, though, let's meet our guest. Back again is the OG himself, Mr. Theodore Buckingham. Welcome back to the show, Buck. Thanks. I've got a whole bunch of Monet's like stored in my just closet. stored in your, yeah. in your vault. I just threw them in there. You know, they're, they're like actually. There's. I thought there's I a saw a Picasso. I, is it just Monet's? No, the well, the Picasso. I'm just using like to you know as like a stand. <laughs> Yeah, well, I yeah, I read that the Picasso family actually was smart enough to buy up a lot mm -hmm. of Picassos, so yeah. this wouldn't happen to them. Yep, that wouldn't happen to them. <laughs> so let's tell the good people why. So we do need a little background today, because you're probably asking yourself, what the hell is an art dynasty? So in the simplest terms... It's when a family acquires and or purchases a high volume of publicly recognized pieces of art, usually of the traditional or historical fine art variety. So that's paintings, statues, things of that nature, and then passes them down from generation to generation as this kind of auxiliary form of wealth allocation and collection and, of course, management. You're going to be hearing the name the Wildensteins a lot today. Because the Wildenstein family is a family of art dealers that not only kind of invented this practice approximately 150 to 200 years ago, but fucking perfected it. Now, uh, the other question you're asking is, why are we why are we talking about them? Why are we <laughs> talking about this? It's because um, in the not too distant past, the international markets and art communities have discovered that the ultra rich and mega wealthy, much like the Wildensteins, have been using these concepts of art dynasties for criminal enterprises, of course, right? The fucking yep. rich stay richer. And uh, you've heard it all before, right? And they usually do this in the form of very sophisticated tax fraud 
and market manipulation. So as already mentioned, this was first first devised and eventually mastered by the Wildenstein family. And they, throughout the years, have collected and purchased the most precious and famous works of art the world has ever known. Buck was kind of joking about Monet's at the top of the show. I threw in Picasso. And yes, they own those. Monet's, Picasso's, Rembrandt's, Vermeer's. Literally the kind of artists we have talked about on other shows. Some of the most famous works of art ever in the history of art history and they own them, and they get passed down from generation to generation to generation. And what do they do with them? They put them into tax havens, so they don't have to account for them when they're paying their taxes. So they are usually, these kind of families are usually estimated to own wealth in the form of billions, but if they only are accounting for maybe millions, because they don't have to do it with their with their tax havens, such, such as fine art paintings, a la the topic at hand, then they don't have to pay the government as much, right? And they do this so long, they hide their money. And then what they do with those tax havens is equally control the market. How do they do that? Well, they create false scarcity in the market. When they leave all these famous works of art in their vaults for fucking ever, <laughs> when they're finally ready to sell them, you know, this is how this is just inflation 101. It's going to be worth that much more. And then creating, manipulating the market with scarcity. So even though that inflation takes over and it's going to be more in 10 years, right? When it's the most rarest thing on the planet, they can price gouge, especially since they own it, knowing that no other people own these variety of works. Now, over time, they have been discovered. And that's why we're talking about them today. Before we do, I know you're you're also thinking one more thing. But Novo, I've been to the fucking MoMA and the Louvre and stuff. I've seen what you're talking about at museums. They don't own them. Well, uh, this was news to me when I was studying this topic. Turns out that those are on loan from these wealthy families. Because if you ever see that little that little box that little tag right next to the piece. It'll give, you know, the name of the piece, the artist, the history, and then it'll say the owner. And oftentimes, because again, this is the most unregulated legal market in the entire world, they don't have to actually put their name down. It'll just say privately owned. So when you see those pieces at a museum, those are usually not owned by the museum. They're just out on display. They're just doing the exhibition part of it. But the actual owners are these wealthy families that use them again for tax fraud and to manipulate the market. So there's a lot of, this is juicy, right, Buck? Like there's a lot, there's a lot here. There's like, yeah, it makes, it makes my like, and, and I'm that not That spidey an sense it, tingle. It, yeah, and it makes it, us like, mad, you know? It makes I'm like, me angry. Yeah, like where I'm like, what the, what the fuck? Because it's not just like this, you, you know, you start thinking about all the other industries where this type of you know of bullshit things happen. happens yeah and uh, you know art is especially because you know it's an emotional thing for a lot of people and, and you know there's a lot of things that are emotional but like you know that that touches people's uh you know emotions in a way you know in in particular ways and to put a price tag on a lot of this stuff and you know kind of right you know doing a research when the podcast it, it's kind of like the stock market now exactly. it, 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 it kind of makes you feel dirty i yeah, it just exactly it's yeah and i actually you know you bring up a good point i know i think i know based on some of our, our other conversations about similar things i think i know why you feel that way why it makes you angry because you've said in the past 
personally, there is a phase in culture and thus society where the art is no longer, you know, the artists. It's yeah. when does it when does it cross over into culture? When do yeah. we all own the art? And that's probably why it affects us so profoundly, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, there's uh, there's 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 so much meat here. Uh, but uh, before we discuss, guys, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Novella Adulteration. Follow adult entertainer Jessica Amberstar as she embarks on a journey that will change her life forever. She not only finds herself in the industry, but figures out a way to transform herself and eventually become reborn. Find out how an adulteration, which can be found on Amazon in both paperback, ebook, and now audiobook. Available now. Now back to the show. Buck, it's time to do the damn thing. So I'm going to bring you back in by asking this very simple question. Should this practice, like on an international level, be regulated? Yes. Why? Okay. I'm going to make a lot of our friends, because when they hear the R word, they they uh, their heads start spinning. The but, R word being like Republican? Re- no, regulation. Oh, regulation. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that could be taken a lot of different ways. But I was like, which R word are we? Uh, uh, the it's R word difficult. that I asked. Yeah, it's dip, but I mean, it's it's kind of like I think you know, th- th- I think it should be kind of seen kind of like public domain and how things just become you know like you know copyright law and how after a certain point in time, okay, let's say if the person does want to make a living off of it and wants to sell it, if it becomes you know after a certain period of time. And if it's in a certain category, maybe like it becomes, you know, part of public domain or something like that. Are you talking about the artist or the art dealer? Oh, well, the artist, but the art dealer, I because, yeah, I think just to um, ground the conversation again, I think the audience should be should know uh, that we are talking when we're talking about these art dynasties, we're not talking about the artists themselves. We're talking about the art dealers, the, yeah. the businessmen and women around them that acquire said art, artists' art, and then buy and sell accordingly. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, and the the getting to what we were talking about is the art dealers. Yeah, I it well, and it's like a lot of businesses. It, there's a lot of dirty dealings that have done dealt with it in the past, but like overall the whole like law breaking and things like that. Like I, I would say the, the regulation needs to be more of making sure people are actually paying their taxes, making sure. Right. Actually, there shouldn't be legal loopholes these to loopholes. create tax havens with something like this. So when I, when I'm talking about regulation with that, it's, it's more of that because it, it goes back to a lot of things in society. Like why are people that make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year getting audited by the IRS? when you know these multi-mega billionaires are getting away with you know not paying any taxes murder practically it's it's basically because they have the money to afford you know the lawsuits and they will they can make it slow down in the system and things like that they have friends in high places yeah and it's the same thing they have the money yeah it's the same thing with this so again it's it's a system that just keeps perpetuating these types of activities over and over and over again and just keep shitting on everybody on the 99 percent of us so yeah i mean i don't have a good answer of how to do that i don't you know i'm not in that realm thank god we don't have to actually do it yeah i'm not in that realm but like as a society you know we've got to start making some accountability uh because what happens is you know like with all of this uh the accountability somehow gets turned towards the people that don't really have anything to do with it and Mm -hmm kind of demonized that way and this is one of the you know after looking into this this is 
this riled me up. Like, oh just yeah, all the dirty dealings that go through this. Yeah, no, I just you know when you're talking about this and artificially inflating markets and things like that and keeping priceless works of art kind of you know one of the stories we were looking at and one of the families um you know like just basically hiding they didn't know they had like certain paintings they had just kind of bought all these and kind of just held on to them they're like oh here we go and you know would just kind of find them <laughs> or say hey oh we found this in our our stock rooms or something like that and we didn't know we had it you know i you know that's a lot of bs when they yeah when they just call ignorance when they're just like oh we didn't know we had these priceless works of art this from the 18th century just sitting in our vault yeah we didn't know that oh we dealt with nazis i'm sorry <laughs> oh this thing we, with the the swastikas on it swastika. oh, I oh those no guys idea. i thought they were just they were just funny germans that had like a weird you know accent little squiggle <laughs> yeah um <laughs> no it's hard because the kind of get your my thoughts aligned on this because there's so many things like that, I, it, it it is yeah, multi-layered that's where multi-layered, like yeah that's where i think i'll come in as the host because they're they're probably you know this is you know we don't talk about sociology on the show a lot but mm-hmm. you know we are kind of like amateur philosophers and sociologists and i i think at the heart and soul of this conversation is uh globalization 101 is as the world gets smaller the, the only reason they're allowed to do this right now is because we are so <laughs> segregated by these mm-hmm. arbitrary lines we designed years ago uh, but what we real but through the the beauty the blessing and the curse that is technology guys the world is only getting smaller and it it will only only get smaller to the point where i think we'll be either forced or we'll eventually decide to become what is known as a type one civilization which is a global civilization one civilization instead of you know right now we're very segregated as already mentioned and through that you know through that segregation they're allowed to you know put you know put all of these bank accounts in the cayman islands you know and or the geneva ports and or all these areas where they can leave these priceless pieces of art that are not priceless depending on the right market but to of course us priceless and then using it for nefarious means whereas when we really become an international society there will be international laws that will prohibit it did you know that i'm not sure how much you dug into the history of this in the wildensteins but because of them they not only started this practice and, and mastered it but they also single-handedly changed the laws around it. Oh, yeah. France now has a regulation against this and that you have to, previous to this, you didn't have to account for it mm-hmm. when it was like in America, when you lived in France, but you know, some, some of your wealth was obviously in some vault in America or the Cayman Islands or whatever. And now they're forced to, they're forced to account for all of it. And again, if you're found that you're lying, deceiving, or just keeping the information, that's ta- tax fraud is how we get the rich, right? That's yeah. how we, you know, when it's you always the modern about- <laughs> wealth like system, it really, well, is. it's like, like the of how yeah. we actually book these white collar criminals time and time again. It's like wiretapping and, 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 and fraud and tax fraud. It's always, you know, they're not like, you know, they're not doing the dirty work, right? They're yeah. doing the sophisticated criminal enterprise mafia shit. And um, I think this is so this kind of so this is where we'll kind of start going down the rabbit hole and kind of go to the next level, because there's a part of me that's like, should we eradicate this practice altogether? And I can't ever see that happening. And then there's a part of me that wants to play devil's advocate, whereas like, 
man, if I was not, you know, what's if I was just upper middle class business owner, art dealer that wanted to have these little nest eggs for my family, but uh, but mm-hmm. did it through the right channels, like actually yeah. did account for it in my taxes and pay taxes on them, even if they did just sit in a vault, you know, or something yeah. like that. Where are the lines? Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of tough because, well, from one end, you, you know, you're talking about ending a practice. There's like so much money involved with it in just human nature. I don't think you can ever fully eradicate it, but you can do things that maybe make it a little bit more fair. What do you think those would look like though? Again, again, it would probably be the new regulations. It would be like, okay, there is now a law saying you have to account for these things. Well, or you can't sell them at like, you know, cause this is, I think this is also human nature and the concept of and, and of looking at societal concepts of value because, you know, people really try hard to think that things have inherent value, but when you really get right down to it, they don't. They don't. And this is Nothing another does. example of like, we humans create value. We give yeah. things value. The, the, here, here's the thing that creates value to me and what I see is historical context of things in the future how history will be written because we we come into the world with nothing and leave with nothing. That is where a lot of this is. And that's why I, I think a lot of this power struggle kind of comes from is like, you know, now we know about this family because of all that. Is, is that really fair or not? I I don't think in one saying that though, they'll be remembered, but like they probably won't be remembered in the greatest light. Oh, not at all. No. Yeah. As so dirt, it, it's kind of the rich same people thing. that, will go out of their way to stay rich yeah by like walking on everyone including their family so we didn't actually get deep into the history yeah so we should you know give credit where credit's due we discovered the history through a podcast from the new york times's the daily so uh they will have they will have a link to the article like if you're a subscriber they'll have a link to the article and you can listen to the podcast version just to understand the history but from the history i wanted to start asking all the questions around it, you know, and and that's where things get complicated. And, you know, even even based on how they were discovered, because, again, going back to my point of like, yeah, the rich staying richer and they'll go out of the way to shit on anybody to to do that. And they'll walk on even family members. That's how they got discovered was they deceived the sons of the man that started this practice the you know patriarch Wildenstein taught his sons how to do it, and then when he died, they convinced their mother-in-law to pretty much hand over, you know, deceptively, like a con man would, hand over her inheritance to them, and that's how they started to control and and re-regulate this very unregulated practice. And here we are. And then she, once she discovered that, she sued them, and that's how the floodgates opened in. All of these, not only journalists, but also lawyers, just all the all the investigators were like, okay, how far does this go? How many people? And this is just one example. Can you imagine how many wealthy families do this? Oh, yeah. No. And it it makes sense. Like if you if you have a lot of money and you're wanting to keep kind of a nest egg and you're wanting to invest in something that's not going to lose its value. So that's just going to build its value. Yeah. If you look at from a business point. Makes sense on paper. This makes total sense. So 
you know, in, in some cases, I'm sure it's not like a nefarious thing, like where they're like, Haha, I'm just trying to like steal all this art. So like the public can't see it <laughs> like that. I think it's, it's, it's a little bit like, that, too, though. I, I think some of it is that. But I think most of it, they're not even thinking that they're it's more of a cow's thought like, hey, I'm trying to invest, you know, build, you know, some equity, you know, trying to, you know, put my money in something that, you know, is going to, you know, be a pretty you know, good investment for the future. I think that, that there's a lot of that. I think it, and what I mean by that, yeah, I, I don't think it's, it, it's kind of that saying, you know, the path to hell is, you know, paving good <laughs> intentions. It, I don't think there some yes. people are actually saying, you know, doing that intentionally. I think it's just more of a callous. They're just not. I think this particular family impact. is though. Now this record. family, you know, they're pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, so, they are dirty. Um, dirty, dirty. Well, the, so the, fuck the, them. The men but, side, not the not the wives and mother-in-laws. They're, yeah, there's some wrong. there's some pretty messed up stuff that happened on on the other side of that. But um, which you can kind of hear about that a little bit more. But like you you know, still you know, and kind of getting back to your point, you know, about how do we regulate this and things like that. So you know, in Europe, they they put in more regulations on how to verify and do art. You know, kind of regulate. You know, how much of the stuff gets passed off as you know fakes. You know, how much is actually sold. What's given to the public things like that in the u.s they did try to do this but the treasury department said you know we don't really need to do that now there's more pressing issues Mm. and from you know the everyday joe you can kind of probably think of as like yeah like i have you know all these problems i you know i'm struggling to feed my family understandable shit like like you know all our taxes are going to the rest of the world and not us you know but at some point you've got to also go after some of these you know types of schemes you know Especially and stuff I, like this. You I know? think using the word scheme is perfect. Yeah. Because it is a scheme. It's a scheme. There's, yeah, there is there's a confidence man element to the unfortunate reality is though it's still legal. That's why yeah. it's the most famous unregulated legal market yeah. in the world is art dealing markets. Yeah. Which is like so crazy to think about because like what you talked about at the top of the show was how important art is to us as mm-hmm. society like we we literally have an entire show dedicated to it aotv yeah and and the fact that it's still you know it's still treated this way is kind of flabbergasting a little bit oh, to yeah. me and so i guess i guess we're, we're going down we're going down the pipeline well because we mm-hmm. agree that there should be some regulation some it shouldn't it, be left yeah grossly unregulated there should be some sort of middle ground where that is we don't know thank god we're not fucking the people that are in these governmental bodies or international watchdog organizations that actually have to figure out how to do it but yeah clearly something needs to be done we we can agree on that yeah and and there's definitely cases where you know things can go over regulated and things like that but you know i think there's a middle ground that you can find and obviously there are countries and places that are doing it Mm -hmm. and you can probably learn pretty well of what's working what's not (laughs) you know well that's the beauty of globalization again why don't we cherry pick let's do what the you know let's say oh you know let's say sweden or something like the swedes are doing x y and z the right way you know let's just do what they're doing i don't know why the world doesn't do that more well that gets into a whole other thing um right i, I get it because it's cult. you know it's their culture it's a cultural thing cultural, and then you know, but, well and it's also like certain words and certain institutions have been demonized whereas most of you know and the population is smaller like sweden yeah. in this example sweden's population exactly. is they're a mere fraction to like the states like we're like yes. 300,000 or 300 million excuse me and they're versus like versus like you know barely 
like I don't know, five to ten million, thirty million. I think it. Yeah, I don't know. Like ten, uh, you know, dramatic yeah. de- dramatic, but much smaller countries. Let's yeah, just much smaller. Yeah, it, and that makes total sense. So, but there's like it doesn't mean that you can't like adopt some of the ideas and modify them to better work for you. So, um, I think it gets into. Uh, it's a weird thing. It, it, it's human nature of all, you know, you get, you get kind of, you don't like change. A lot of people don't like change and it doesn't feel comfortable. And they, a lot of people don't like feeling out of their comfort zones because it's, it's, oh, it's stressful. Yeah. It's, it, it brings a lot of like unwanted, like, uh, probably things that you don't want to have. Cause we all just want to like, you know, kind of chill and relax and not have to worry about anything. But, you know, in order <laughs> to progress, through through uh society and in in oh we have times to. <laughs> we have to i mean it's just human things i mean you know you don't want to get up and go to work every day but you have to you know yeah gotta keep the um, lights on gotta pay the bills yeah so you you know society and everything has to change over time so it's, it's it, I, I would say it's not like it, it's not something that can't be done and mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a little painful and it, you know you know, some people might get screwed, but you know, those people that are probably getting screwed on this will have a lot more money than we would ever have. So boohoo, <laughs> you know, I agreed. So like, you they're going to be fine. You they're going like- to be fine. And you're going to find, you know what? You're going to probably find another thing that you can just some other skip loophole. around and some other loophole and you can, you know, go to your weird sex depraved yacht parties still so don't <laughs> Those worry orgy about dungeons that just, you yeah. guys just love yeah yeah whatever you guys are doing like yeah you, you'll still get your, your kinks will be still there fulfilled um you'll, yeah you, right. you'll still be able to do them don't worry about it yeah it's um you know because we see this time and time again you know when we go after these these either these families or these ceos that are doing these nefarious things they like 99 percent of the time they never go to jail and they are yeah, they get they hit never... with some fine but the fine is like a speeding ticket to these guys and yeah. gals and it's it's almost nothing uh but i think i think the beauty of something like this though is even though i doubt anything will happen to the to the Wildensteins. can no. we learn a, a lesson here guys this is i think that's the takeaway it's like shouldn't we learn a lesson from these practices and that lesson is maybe we should change things for the future and i think we're starting to see that a little bit is it's starting to happen that's because the markets you know we've talked about this in our other open discussion shows the market is always going to speak for the masses you know the market dictates a lot of where these directions go and part of in this example part of the reason they've been doing this is because 18th century art was so important for so long yeah and now we're seeing all these groups and art dealers and markets really shift gears to contemporary art people that are still living all this mm-hmm. digital art electronic art all this other forms of media that people are falling in love with and we've talked about this on in our other shows and that is where they're slowly veering towards but of course some smart art dealer will probably figure out how to manipulate that market as well with some sort of nft or some stupid shit now let's switch gears because we've been talking about the businessmen and women that control these markets and do the tax frauds but we haven't talked about a very important group and that is the artists themselves Mm -hmm. so because here's the thing most artists and there is a thin line between being rich and famous 
and just being well compensated and getting notoriety. I think a lot of, I think there are artists still to this day that don't care about any of that. You know, they're like, I'm yeah. not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for the fame. I'm just doing it for the art. I, I truly believe there's a lot like that. But we all are lying to ourselves to say that that's the majority. I think the majority want to be well compensated. I don't think any of them really want to be, be rich and famous. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody want to be rich and famous, per se. That's that's a prison in and of itself. But they want to be they want to be well compensated and they want some notoriety. I don't think any of them. <laughs> say no to the accolades unless it's really really uncalled for but you know so there are thin lines and i think most of them want you know they want to be paid well they want to be recognized yeah. for their hard work i get it but do they want this you know think of think of our art the stuff we do together what's if that was taken one day and it's just like manipulated by these super wealthy you know business owners that are you know i would hate that idea yeah it would be kind of like when you know like in wayne's world when we would get, we had to but go yeah. to the network, and then you know Noah's Arcade would have to come in, and we'd be standing in front of a green screen saying, "You know, we're in Delaware." Um, <laughs> oh God, Delaware! Oh God, Delaware! Wow, yeah. I don't so, want to sell out and eat these Doritos, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, we're not, we're not. I'm not doing this for the money. You know, this is more like. We're doing this because we enjoy talking about these things and we enjoy sure. like sharing these things. Yes. And I think there's a lot of people, like you said, are like that. However, I, I I think it's like human nature. I mean, like if somebody came and said, "Hey, you know, we want to give you a Rogan style like contract with Spotify," we're not going to say no to that. We're not probably going to say we're, no. We're not going to lie to you guys. We if 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 Spotify came to us tomorrow and be like, "Hey, we like what you got going." Here's this big contract. If you just stay on our platform to literally continue what you're doing, we'd be like, okay, that sounds great. Now yeah. we have now we have the only sponsor we need, so we can you know keep keep going, kind of thing. Yeah, there's there's like an understanding there, and that that kind of maybe contradicts like everything we've been talking about a little bit. But like, what the, my point with that is is that I don't think so. It just you know, art and commerce has always had yeah a very fascinating relationship. Yeah, it's always had. You know something. Anybody, anytime anybody can think they can make money off of something, this this isn't just a new capitalist thing. This goes back, you know, to the you know when people are knocking rocks and sticks around. You know, anytime you can figure out some way you can get. Something. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna talk about the the first profession ever uh, with that oh. with that reference where they're just knocking sticks around and stones around. If you know what I mean. If you know but he means I mean. guys. He means literally cavemen. Yeah, like, hey, you want you want me to paint like I, you saw that like awesome that woolly horse, mammoth over that there? That mammoth I, I painted put that in there? on your cave wall. Shit, I can put that in there. Can I get like three pounds of meat from it? There we you go. can get eh, two and a half, yeah, and then two and three fourths, and, and, and then they kind of compromise, and the deal is done. And what was that thing they threw? Oh, what was that thing? The that they threw? Thing. Yeah, it was like a God. I can't remember it. I just remember Boomerang. the picture. Of it. I don't know what you're uh, referencing. I don't, know. I don't know. know. But like, yeah, could we get one of those? Yeah. Or I, I like just a spear, make... just like to like hunt? Yeah, or mean? like they like, they make some oh, good so pottery saying, over there. So you're saying some hunter gatherer group is like, hey, I will pay you to make me these weapons so I can hunt and gather better. Or like like I was saying, you want you want me to paint this. Uh, 
this mammoth on here. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, and just give me that was this a good one. little T Buck tangent corner there. Yeah. But I go going back to the artist, going back to the uh, let's do a Novo pullback. So at the heart of the matter is, is that at the center of all of this is the artists themselves. And I know that I would hate the idea of, of, of my art kind of being used nefariously. So then where are the lines there? Again, thank God that we don't have to actually create the laws around it. But to, to me, there's a, there's a part of me that says like, maybe we should have more nonprofit organizations that govern these things, kind of a la Hilma off Clint or where they're permanently owned by museums, not just on loan. Like there should be like when it gets to the museum, the museum owns it really. Yeah. I think, I think it's kind of like when we see in other mediums and, you know, I think it'll probably get there eventually, but like when, you know, film and it's kind of subjective too, but you know, one, something gets to a certain cultural status or an artist, you know, it has an impact on culture. It becomes part of public domain. That make made makes some people cringe and like don't like that, but like you know, I don't know whatever. That's kind of why I brought it up. So, do you feel like that's where the line is? There is once it gets, you know, let's just give it an arbitrary line. Let's say if art has been in circulation and it, it's famous enough through art historians, um, yeah, like after a certain amount of time, let, let's that, just give it like the, the artist is long. Let's give dead. it a century. Yeah, let's yeah, give it. That's like a usually years, good. You know, yeah, let's give it a hundred years. Uh, that should then be permanently given to some museum or something so the world can enjoy it. The birthday song is a great example. Ooh, ooh give it to me. So the Why? happy birthday song, you know, you did you know that was copyrighted for? A I was about to say, time? don't sing it because we're gonna have to pay somebody. No, I think it's actually part it is, of public it is, domain it, now. No, I think it is still copyrighted. I think if if people say it in these kind of domain, not probably not ours, but um, like on fucking NBC or something, you know, you know where they sing a little bit of it, they have to like pay royalties to the owner of said music. That's a d- completely different market, though. Music so has weird royalties, and I kind of get it. Sometimes I don't. It's like very complicated, just like like film royalties or TV right royalties. I just like it's so comp. So I, I feel like yeah. that's probably a good. A, a good parallel to this conversation is then if it's not, you know, if it doesn't go into that public domain, should the family of the artist still get royalties from the eventual owners then? Like, so from like the museum, like, no, no, let's say, let's say it's not in the culture domain yet. It's still owned by some art dealer. Should there be some sort of um, law or it would have to be a law that paid royalties to, you know, anytime that, it changed hands, you know, let's say it went to market and sold for, yeah, some crazy auction price. Should part of that go to either the original artist if they're still alive or the family of the artist? Hmm. Ooh, I stumped him, guys. He's really thinking on this one. This is another true, is it our episode you know where what? we have some surprise questions that stump stump our guests? I think it should, yeah. So this is, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is a tough one, but that's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, no, I to me, it's more of the person that did it, made it, and then once they're yeah, I kind of get it. Like every time you resell a Mario game, Miyamoto doesn't get like a little cut of it or something, you know. Well, that popped into my head, but I mean, well, because secondary markets, the original owner doesn't get royalties, right? Yeah, but like I'm just thinking of I don't know. It's kind of tough because you know a lot of artists have fought to get 
that it depends on the medium too i feel like that is important you know these this kind of shows such a spiritual successor to our copyright show and before that why hollywood is killing the rich kind of show because it does depend on the medium you know and how well, these things are treated and there's some irony behind that too the how hollywood's presenting this yet yeah, it's being funded by a ton of rich people those those films that we were talking about well relatively not as rich as the like tinfoil hat the MC, part of the me. MC, mcu kind of budgets but well still but yeah i mean still like the people that are that was tv del rio's arguments like isn't the irony like palpable that you know they're going after they're 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 shitting on these people but they're also rich and they're given all this money to make these movies again they know you know people of the lower class hate rich and they're gonna want to watch that movie because of it you know it's it's all fucked up <laughs> so going back let me do another po- novo pullback so it does so there is a part of me that does think that the center of gravity here with all of this is the artists themselves and the work they create i think they should be the person that deems it well and i think they are the person that okay if if i'm probably going to be the most fair here i i think they're the ones that should have the final say on what happens to it if they decide to sell it, you know, or, you know, get, it, it's kind of like the music industry right now. You're seeing a lot of artists selling their catalogs because they're obviously knowing that they're not going to make that much money off of sales, record sales right. and things like that. And they're like not getting any, you know, younger. They're not going to get anything. So you're giving up your catalog now the, you know, so, you know, Warner. And smart businessmen and women are doing a lot. Remember, remember Aerosmith lottery tickets? Do you remember that in the news? When like, was this? This was years ago, but like, okay. yeah, it's the same thing. So like some famous actor, band or musician sells the cat, you know, the rights to their backlog, their catalog, but they have no idea how these, these businesses are going to use them and they, but they can use all the branding. They can use the logo, they can use everything. And they're like putting it on like lottery tickets and it went gangbusters. Cause they're like, you know, average joe and james are like, i like aerosmith you know especially if they grew up with that they're yeah. like i better buy these kind of lottery tickets instead of these other ones that don't have aerosmith on them and it worked <laughs> you know it's crazy yeah. that's why i think like the mind of a businessman businessman or woman is is fascinating to me there's such an art to it there is an I'm art about to like how much you think can, about yeah screw people out of money it, it there really is well they don't look at it that way you know kind of like elvis's um very famous manager that would design his own Elvis hate merchandise. Oh because yeah, because no one is allowed to hate Elvis for free. I mean, how brilliant is that? Brilliant and also kind of gross. I don't know. I I think there's. I think it's to me. There still leans a little bit on the brilliance. So yeah. we should probably put probably put the conversation back into the audience hands. So the 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 ball is in your court, guys. What do you think? Do you think it's brilliant? Do you think it's disgusting, as Buck said? What do you think we should do? Or what do you think they should do? Should things be regulated, unregulated, find some sort of middle ground? I don't know. I don't. Well, we kind of know. We know what we want to do, but we don't know how to do it at all. I just, you know, at a certain time, I think these these things, and you know, going back to my argument that I made in other things, and once they become a, a part of culture, they should be you know, given to the public for mm. um, appreciation. Public consumption. And yeah. even that, like, I get it. Even that can have an element of business attached to it. Like Prince, you know, like if the museum owned 
you know, eventually these pieces that are after this arbitrary line of them, you know, after a century, they get to just own the pieces and display them for public consumption. Of course, they still need to pay their employees and, you know, the money for to keep the museum going, the restoration of the pieces themselves or the building itself. And, you know, yeah, sell the prints, sell the things. I think I think the line gets crossed ultimately just to close the circle on this conversation is when it's it's used nefariously to then get like billions yeah. and billions of dollars just for a small group of people or that shouldn't really even use it or or need it or manipulating a total market in order to gain your wealth, you know, exactly. And, and I think it also comes down to, you know, it's that it's it's a club oh yeah and they don't it's want a, anybody else joining and the art market is a club for the rich goes, too yeah it goes back to the power element they they yeah. want to have a certain amount of power they want to have a certain amount of leverage over people and Absolutely. i think going to the main point of this is that it's not fair for one person or a group to really t- totally control that and to somebody who's not maybe on the same side, they're saying, well, they they earned that right. They worked hard for it, and they did all this. Did they? I think with that, with that being said, we're going to leave it there and say, what do you guys think? Let us know. Until then, I want to say thank you for listening. I want to thank my guest, Mr. Theodore T. Buckingham. But before we go, guys, if you like that, you can always check out some of our stuff at NovoDayProductions.com. You can also follow us at underscore Novo underscore Day and at NovoDayMedia. Don't forget to like, subscribe, do all the things. You know what to do. And if you'd like to sponsor our little love child or be on the show, you can reach out to us at NovoDayMedia, NovoDayMedia at gmail.com. So until next time you know what to do. We'll see you in the next one, but until then, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. It's brilliant and also kind of gross. <laughs>